Good morning. Welcome, Chancellor K. Jackson, to the Moped Outlaws show. It's so amazing to have you with us. Hey, blessings and balance to you, Mark. Blessings and balance to you, Greg. And blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. Shout out to them. They're the real MVPs. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I agree. So, Mark, you have any three by five cards? <laughs> yeah, this, this is the running joke, um, Chancellor. Um, I use three by five cards to sort of generate questions and I'm out of them. Cool. Okay. I but have a question I, though. I, I still have, have questions for you and, um, okay. I don't want to dive in like it's a cross examination. The dude was in China for goodness sakes. That's what I'm wondering about. <laughs> no, seriously. Like I read that. How do you end up in China for two years? Oh, so I, um, after I graduated from college in 2018, I landed my first job in China teaching English to children. So that's how I ended up out there. And I, I was uh, supposed to do a year. That's how my contract was set, but I only ended up doing six months before things hit the fan. And, ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, things hit the fan. Was that the whole COVID thing? Oh, uh, no. That's me getting locked up out there. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big lesson in accountability, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Entirely. Entirely. One of the things I admire about you is that uh, I can see the way you take responsibility for your life. And uh, the way that shows up for me in my life is this idea of radical responsibility hmm. where we, we were, we're creating our, our experience. Right. Thanks. And it was it was really refreshing as I prepared for the show to see you so potently embodying this principle of creating the possibility for yourself. And that comes with knowing what it is you did to create certain kinds of results that we don't really want to create. And and I imagine having the experience you did in Chinese jail taught you a lot about accountability and responsibility, but it's not that that defines you. What defines you is what you've done since then. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and and from the promo you saw, I keyed in on two books, but I didn't actually know about the third one, Real Love Never Dies. <laughs> what does that mean to you? When you, when you think about that title, what does that mean? Um, if it was real love, it'll never die. You know what I'm saying? It's genuine. It's always going to be a spark. Um, y'all can go months, years without talking, and y'all come back together. It's like you're picking up right where you left off. You know what I mean? It's just... It's a soul tie more than anything. Yeah. So how does real love show up in your life right now? Uh, right now, it's, it's me loving myself, self-love. You got to love, you know what I'm saying? That got to happen first before you can be able to give or receive love from anybody else. So, you know what I'm saying? Just mastering self-love right now. And what are some of the tools? Like, what are some of the daily practices you have in your life for Supporting self-love. Um, definitely physical. I work out crazy. <laughs> I actually, when I get done with y'all, I'm going to go hit the gym for about two hours. So um, definitely taking care of my physical. Um, 
because it's easy to, to – I play college football and play football vast majority of my life. So I'm used to my body looking one way. So it's like, yeah, I, I can't shy away from that. <laughs> it's easy to lose and hard to get back. I've seen it time and time again. So I ain't even going to put myself through that. Um, so just maintaining the physical standpoint. Um, mentally, definitely just – I'm always in a good headspace. You know what I'm saying? Um, practicing mindfulness is something that I was doing once I got back from China, like fresh out of Beijing jail number six. Yeah, doing a lot of meditating and practicing mindfulness. Um, so my mental is always intact, um, always positive. <laughs> Even while I was in Beijing jail six, I still got a good head on my shoulders. You know what I'm saying? Trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and spiritually, you know what I'm saying, staying tapped in with the ancestors, constantly praying and paying homage to them. Um, and, you know what I'm saying, and of course, to the most high, for sure. Um, emotionally, just catering to me. Uh-huh. Catering to me, for real, for real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They ain't really allowing, pointing to too many other people with, you know what I'm saying, everything I got going on, you know what I'm saying? But a lot of people... You know what I'm saying? Pouring to my cup with whatever they got going on, but I don't let what they pour in my cup. It's like it don't even move. It's like it's you pouring into me, but I ain't get I ain't overflowing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My levels aren't rising. It's like it's going in. I don't know where this it's probably evaporating as soon as it hits the uh, you know what I'm saying, the, the bottom of the glass for sure, for sure. So um yeah, man, just me. <laughs> I'm curious about where you found meditation and what kind of meditation experience brought you into the practice. Like who, who was your mentor in that area? What was the system or the approach that you learned? Man, just in, when I was in Beijing jail six, man, we locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, mm-hmm. nine wooden beds. So literally only times we got to lie down when it was nap time or bedtime. Aside from that, you, your ass either got to stand up or you sitting down. But you up and it ain't like you got a million different things that you can distract yourself and entertain yourself with. Nah, all I had for those 14 days was a plastic bowl and a plastic spoon. So it was a lot of reflecting that I got to do. You know what I'm saying? Nothing but reflecting solely. And I'm in this bitch with 14 other Chinese men, none of whom I can speak to. So, you know what I'm saying? It, it started in there. Wow. Um, so once did I got out. Did someone teach you or did you just invent it for yourself? Uh. Just invented for myself, really, honestly, because you know what I'm saying I'm locked up in this <laughs> in this Beijing penitentiary. Nothing has been explained to me as far as how this process works, what's gonna happen next, how long I'm gonna be here. Nobody knows I'm here. It's not looking too good, but I got to hold myself accountable for me being in this predicament. Um, so it is what it is in that regards. Now moving forward, what needs to take place for me to get up out of here? You know what I'm saying? I'm I ain't the type to dwell on the problem for so long and fester in it. No, that, that's not going to get us anywhere. What are some solutions? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just how I am. Um, so once I got out, um, it was still a transition <laughs> trying to figure out, well, okay, but what's next? What are we going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How are we going to bounce back from this? I'm going through a breakup at the time too. Um, so it was just a lot. It was a lot. Um, and, I just start back to Beijing Jail Six, like, bro. Even though it wasn't where I wanted to be, shit, we had we had to make peace with it. You know what I'm saying? So I need to be able to make peace with my situation out here. I ain't even in those walls, so I can't be. You know what I'm saying? Let my sight gets to a point of no return out here, and I ain't let it happen to me behind the walls. That ain't, that's that's backwards. You know what I'm saying? So um, I really found an app. It was called. Uh, 
I can't even remember the app name. <laughs> Headspace. That's the name Headspace. of it. So Headspace. after you got out, you found Headspace. Yeah, and the fact that they that. walk you through it, that was a vibe. That was a vibe. I enjoyed that. It was guided meditation. So it pretty much teaches you how to meditate. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that was Headspace. Shout out to Headspace. <laughs> yeah. So you start, like, it sounds like you start with an intensive in jail. Yeah. And uh, then you get out and you're thinking, I'm still. Your your life is still blowing up from what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're like, all right, I'm going to maintain this headspace then that I've kind of started in jail. You find headspace. And now it sounds like it's a regular part of your daily. Yeah. Being up. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so everything we go through is, you know what I'm saying, everything that we are as well as preparation for what's in store. Mm. Yeah, knock on wood. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. For <laughs> more on the self-care tip, I want to ask you, what is your special CMOS recipe that you always have in, in the Instagram? What's in there and how so, do you make it? So, yeah, you got the CMOS, the regular Irish moss, um, and then I also throw burdock root and bladder rack in there as well. So that way you get the full 102 minerals that the human body needs all in one supplement. Um, and of course, burdock root and bladder rack treat and help with a bunch of other man, man, a bunch of just just different things along with CMOS. So, you know, what I'm saying I, I really got introduced to CMOS right before I went to China. Ironically, I was at a Dollar Tree trying to pick up some stuff, and outside of Dollar Tree was a dude selling like CMOS raw soaps and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, well, I mean, I heard about CMOS. Let me get some. I'm finna get ready to leave for China about. Three days. Let me get, you know what I'm saying, a, a little bit of that. And while I was in China, anytime I felt myself coming down with something, I make some some of that tea of the mouse. Next day, I'll be A1 since day one. So it's like, hey, I've been, been on it ever since. Tell me a little bit about how you prepare it. Like, yeah, so, um, yeah, so you uh you got the actual raw Irish mouse. You just clean it off. You know what I'm saying? Definitely rinse it off thoroughly. Um, cause you know what I'm saying? It, it's going to be sand on it. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be plastic in it sometimes cause you know, it's straight from the ocean. So just clean it out thoroughly. Once you get it nice and clean, um, pour it, set it in a bowl, pour either spring water or alkaline water into that bowl. And you just let it sit in the refrigerator. Let it soak for about three days, at least three days. You let it soak for longer than that. Um, that's just so when it comes down to blending, it'll be easier to blend. Um, so after you let it soak for three days, pour it, you know what I'm saying, strain it out of that bowl, rinse it off again, and now you just throw it in the blender with uh, spring water, alkaline water, and just blend it up. And then you throw in uh, any other additional herbs you want to off in there as, as well. I also throw mullein leaf. I forgot about mullein leaf. I put mullein leaf in there too. Clean out the lungs. And that's like your breakfast. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's, yeah. yeah, every day. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a trip because – your vibe seems so bouncy, you know, and like, <laughs> but you've got these practices that are really deep knowledge practices in your yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, put it like that. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, it, uh, I like when things are thrown, like when I'm, when my knee jerk responses to something are thrown. Mm-hmm. And right yeah. now, I'm thrown. I like oh, it. Me. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> what about the discipline to write three books? Like, that's some serious discipline. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's really easy, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, if anybody 
me, I, I knew when I was, <laughs> when I'm first in the, I'm in the first precinct. I'm sitting in the chair, handcuffed like this here, hands behind my back. I'm like, just in this belief that everything that popped out the way that it did. And now here I am getting arrested in China and nobody knows this happening to me. And I have no clue what's going to take place, but I knew deep down in my spirit that I was going to be good when it was all said and done. Wow. I was like, you're going to be good when it's all said and done for sure. We don't know what the hell's going to happen, but we can, I know I'm going to be good. So with that being said, take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And most importantly, boy, enjoy this high one last time because we don't know what the hell's going to happen to us. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, so bro. Do you feel comfortable talking about what got you in there? And when you well, say yeah, high, sure. was it cannabis? What was yeah. it? Yeah, so um, it's April 4th, 2019. It's a Thursday. Um, and the way my schedule was set up, my weekends were Wednesday and Thursday. So it's a, it's my Sunday pretty much. Um, I'm getting ready to head to the event to meet some colleagues and friends at. We're going to customize uh, some Chinese fans, make our own little Chinese fans. So um, before I go to the event, I'm like, hey, I'm a pregame. For those that don't know what pregaming is, say you and some friends going to go out on a night full of festivities. But before y'all go out, it's like, hey, we're going to meet up at so-and-so house first. And we're going to turn up at their house. And then we're going to go out and have even more fun. So. I'm in my apartment by myself, uh, listening to some music, drinking a Chinese wine cooler, smoking some cannabis in my little silver pipe. Um, I get done, get dressed, woo woo, make sure I got everything for. Uh, I walk out the door, then I hear a knock. Guess on unfamiliar, curious to see who it is. I look through the people, and there stood three officers from the Beijing police. Instantly, you know what I'm saying? Heart sunk to my stomach. You know what I'm saying? I'm sick. Like, oh, what they doing here? Go scramble, put everything up, open the door. They walk in, and the officer in front, he's questioning me about drugs. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Atlanta, so that's the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. Keep that in mind. So I'm like, drugs? What, what you talking about? Who is this guy? You tripping? Nah, bro. You got me confused. Somebody else. Passport? Yeah, but you might need to go see my passport. You got Let me go grab my documentation. I'll be right back. So I go grab my documentation, bring it to him to look over. The other two officers are just scoping the place out. You know what I mean? Time passes, and another officer enters the apartment, and he has something in his hand. Not really able to make heads or tails of what the item is, but he hands it to the officer that I was originally speaking to, and that officer then communicates to me to pee into the cup, so it was a drug test right there on the spot. I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> I said, it's over with, boy. Yeah. Do the drug test. Fail the drug test, of course. Um, so it, it, they processed that right there on the spot? They were able to detect right there oh, man it took me about 45 minutes just to be able to to pee yeah. <laughs> so once i finally peed into the cup and i gave it to the officer that was watching me he took it they set it on the table and they all just huddled around the cup like this here and about five seconds later they just started looking at each other and started grinning <laughs> and i'm just sitting there like, like oh shit yeah, <laughs> yeah they think man it, it, results come back instantly and it tests it'll find everything else's everything you know what i'm saying so um so by this time, now it's like eight officers in the apartment. They really ransacking the place. Um, and then one officer that speaks English fluently, he walks up to me, questioning me about failing the drug test. When's the last time I smoked? If I had any more on me? You know what I'm saying? Who I get it from? Whoop, Like I said earlier, from the city of Finesse, you live by the Finesse, you die by the Finesse. So I mind you, I'm still high. I'm high as Orion still. It's the fog of war. It's, you know what I'm saying? The moment's big. I'm pissing down my leg. I'm still trying to keep my composure at the same time. So me and the officer going back and forth, every question he's posing, the first thing that comes to my head, I'm just blurting out. I ain't really thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? It got to the point where I was catching myself in a lot. 
So I know I'm like, okay, if I'm catching myself lying, I know for a fact he's catching me lying. Yeah. But hey, live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So I'm going back and forth. <laughs> like, I don't know nothing. I'm just playing the fool. And then he just, we got to a point where he, I guess he was getting fed up. <laughs> so he was like, all right, straight up, man. You caught red handed. We know you got more woo woo. I'm like, I bet. I die by the finesse this time. It's all good. I live to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. So fess up to it. Um, they want me to show them my stash, so I get up to do that. <laughs> Lo and behold, when I get there, everything is discovered and on display. So they, I guess they was just trying to see if I was going to give up, cover up any just extra freebies. Um, but they confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, set me down in the van, and um, we get to one precinct there briefly, get to another precinct, um, do my official interrogation, and that's dramatic because they take me to the basement of that precinct and lock me into this metal chair. It looked like an electric chair just to do the interrogation. So anything like my entire body, my shins, thighs, waist, chest, and arms all in one place. The only part of my body I can move was my head up and down, left and right. So I did my whole interrogation like that. But by that time, that was plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse their ass with. So I gave my fabricated story. After that, they released me from the chair, took me upstairs, mugshot, handprint, and threw me back in the holding cell. So, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm just up there. And my, I'm still high. Why all this going on? I'm still high, bro. I'm just reflecting, replaying the whole situation, thinking about what I could have did better, how I could have responded better, what I could have said better. Um, just, you know what I'm saying? Just... What, what, I love that. Even in the midst of the depths of some <laughs> challenge, you are refining, right? You're <laughs> self-reflecting and refining. And that's something you've carried forward now that you're free again. Yeah, right? yeah. For sure. <laughs> I, mean, I got a question for you. The story you finessed in the chair when you're locked down. Yeah. Do you think that did good or do you think you would have been better off just saying the truth? I don't know. They released me from the chair, so I assumed it was good. So how did you get out in 14 days? Um, They just called my name to come on. But uh, after that second precinct, um, they pretty much, they come after, you know what I'm saying, after the interrogation, hours, hours pass. It's, I don't even know what time it is. The sun was up. Now I look up. It's gone. So they come get me from the holding cell and bro- walk me to the lobby of that precinct and bring my best clothes. Tell me, get dressed. I'm like, okay, hold on. All right, I guess I see when you when you comply, your energy is good. You work with these people. You know what I'm saying? Things play out in your favor. So I get dressed. I'm waiting for the next set of orders. So they had me follow them through a door that's behind the front desk. It's through that door. Now we in the hallway. At the end of the hallway, I see a small room crowded with officers. So I'm following the CO to this room. As I enter the room, I can only guess it's some form of evidence room. You see evidence bags everywhere. I'm talking about no sense of structural organization. It's just clutter and hoarder. Like, it's just crazy. But in front of me is the table. In the center of the table is everything that was confiscated from my apartment. So they take the cannabis and they weigh it up right there in front of me. Now, this is an interesting phase in the book because, one, as a reader, you're curious to know, okay, how much does he actually have on him? Two, when have you ever heard or seen law enforcement weigh whatever you, they just confiscated from you Right up in front of you. I never. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But three, like I said, I don't receive no information whatsoever. Like from the time the cuffs is, only time these folks communicated with me was asking me about the drugs. Aside from that, I ain't know what was going on. I'm just following orders. They say jump, I say how high. You know what I'm saying? So 
with me not receiving no information in regards to how this thing was going to play out, I received all my information from my ancestors, my spiritual realm, my higher powers, whatever you want to refer to them as. Um, and this was the very first sign I received and the only live in action one. I received the rest occurred in my dreams. But they weighed up the cannabis right there in front of me. It told us that to be 1.4 grams. Now, for those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams isn't a lot. Even if you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking units of measurements. <laughs> 1.4 grams of anything isn't a lot. So I ain't have much on me, but you look at that number, 1.4. It's a decimal. If you remove that decimal, what number is that? 14. Hence the title of the book. Uh, now, did I catch that initially? Hell no. That thing went clean over my head. You know what I'm saying? But that was the very first sign I received. Um, so they put everything on paper, had me sign it, thumbprint it. We get back in the van. I'm like, okay, I done work with y'all. It's about one It's one o'clock in the morning at this point. Y'all arrest me at like 11 a.m. There's no way they're not taking me home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we ride it. We ride it. 30, 40 minutes pass. And we arrive at a facility detailed with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> we just getting started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Enter, do a quick physical, uh, put me in my official uniform, gave me my plastic bowl and my plastic spoon, and they took me upstairs to the second floor um, to where the men house. We get to sell 209. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning to this point. The CEO opens the door. Instantly, my psych is thrown by the setup of the cell. Immediately, I see, I, I describe it as a slumber party. It looks like a slumber party. Uh, on the bunks, which you know, in the beds, a number of wooden bunks. So it looked like a slumber party, just a bunch of grown men huddled up, sleeping together. Across from the people sleeping are two Chinese inmates standing against the wall, wide awake, watching them sleep. So, of course, we only few. It's only a few people up. The last thing they expected to come see walking through this door is this brother with locks. <laughs> the last thing I expected to see is two Chinese motherfuckers watching other Chinese motherfuckers sleep. So we just got this awkward moment of. <laughs> like eye contact trying to figure out what's going on. So I step into the cell. I do a head count with them. Right, including me, it's 15 of us in the cell. I count the beds. All right, it's nine beds. Well, that explains why I look like a slumber party. I'm curious why these dudes watching the rest of these dudes sleep. But hey, it is. It ain't none of my business. <laughs> to the left, it's the bathroom. It's its own separate room. But all the walls are made of glass so everybody in the cell can see inside of it. You got the sink. A squat toilet, so pretty much a hole in the ground you got to squat over. And then the shower one, number of the water holes with a shower head duct tape to it. Black mold coating the walls, gnats and shit flying around. It's not the most sanitary place, to say the least. So I approach the slumber party, trying to find a spot to lie down. And one of the inmates that's taking watch wakes two people up to make room for me, and they do. They had me set my bowl and my spoon in the cubbies that's under um, under the bunks. And I lie down on that between two Chinese men with my hands on my chest like this here. And I'm standing at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in. <laughs> that's when reality fully kicked in. Like, hey, boy, you in here, boy. And we don't know how long we're going to be here. Nobody knows we're here. We're in this building with 14 other Chinese men. More than likely, you ain't going to be able to communicate with. It's not looking too good. But, hey, we got to hold ourselves accountable. We have to. We can't blame nobody for us being in this situation but us. So, with that being said, I got to take this to the chin. It is what it is. So, you know what I'm saying? Now moving forward, what the fuck needs to happen for me to get up out of here? You know what I'm saying? That's how- well, I'm actually going to interrupt right there for two reasons. One, I want the audience to go find out. Get, yeah, that book, get the book. Find yeah. out the answer. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great story, and this is a great spot to leave it with because he's already talked about the mindset, the humility, the accountability, the way he handled himself 
you, excuse me, I'm referring to you in the third person. That's, that's rude. The way you <laughs> handled yourself in the, in the face of adversity with grace, with the, even with your captors and the police officers, right? So that tells me a lot about your character. And I'm really proud of this story and it, it warms my heart. And I want to like just leave people curious because I want to actually get to some more subjects. And I know we could spend the rest of the time talking about your journey in China. I don't, I'm not minimizing it or For saying sure. it's insignificant because I'm curious. I'm probably going to end up buying the book too. Cause I want to know. Oh, me. Um, <laughs> I want to piggyback on and change the, the course of the conversation and kind of go, you talked about what, how real love never dies. And in one of your other Insta posts, you mentioned someone named Maya and I want to know who Maya is and or was in your life and why yeah. that's significant to that book. Well, so, yeah, that was my um, very, very first real relationship, very first, you know, what I'm saying serious relationship. And it took place. It started in college and then it took place all throughout, you know, what I'm saying China. And, you know, what I'm saying, of course, me just entering adulthood um, and real love never dies. It pretty much connects the dots because all three books is one long trilogy. I'm telling one long story. Um, and what inspired the romance sector of it was a lot of women that was reading 14 days. So, okay, you talk about this, this, this girlfriend of yours all throughout the book, but you don't actually get to talk to her. And then at the end of the book, you get out and that's it. So what happened with you and her? What's the tea on that? We want to know how that played out. Woo, 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 woo. So I'm like, I bet. <laughs> so that's when I, you know what I'm saying, wrote, um, you love, you learn. So it takes this year one of our relationship and just me in college and, um, then Real Love Never Dies, it takes place of me graduating college, landing a job in China. Talks about what I was doing in China prior to getting locked up. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people don't know anything about that. And then, of course, what took place after those infamous 14 days. Um, but, yeah, she's very, very pivotal, pivotal. Um, so, man, peace to my journey and um, you're saying the story as well. Because I'm just saying all my stories based on real life events and just things that I've learned. You know what I'm saying? Um so just, she's definitely, definitely, you know what I'm saying, pivotal, for sure, for sure. <laughs> for and sure. is she still alive and walking the face of the earth? Yes, yeah, yeah, she still okay. is alive and walking. I haven't seen or spoken to her since 2019, but I assume, she, you know what I'm saying, I ain't heard nothing, so I figured she's still. All right, well, Maya, if you somehow stumble upon this <laughs> podcast, much love and respect to you Amen. for the way you showed up, and I uh, hope you're healthy, well, how'd happy, she and show up? Joy. <laughs> how'd she show up? I was, man, I was walking out of my qualitative and rhetorical class. Yeah, qualitative and rhetorical class at Samson Hall. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm walking down the stairs. I got uh, my headphones on. You got Michael Jackson playing, bumping as I'm walking to my next class. Um, and as I'm exiting, the, I'm finna get ready to exit the building. Something in my spirit said, turn around, bro. So I just turned around. And I don't know, as I'm turning around, my eyes just gravitated to the top of the staircase. I don't know why. It's <laughs> where they went. And that's where she was just standing. Like, just my, she wasn't paying no attention to nothing. She was just standing there. I'm like, damn, well, who was that? And it was, from, yeah, from there, <laughs> from there on, it's, you know what I'm saying? That's how we, you know, got initiated. Or at least that's how I saw her. And then, um, we didn't really start talking until, uh, she followed me on Instagram, like, the same day or the next day or something like that. So I'm like, okay, for sure. Bit. <laughs> Bit. Um, I've got more unless you want to ask something. I was, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so we're jumping around here a little bit. I, I think it's worth it because I think these things ultimately tie together. 
Yeah. So before I ask this question, I want to ask, are you still actively pursuing a player's role in football? Oh, no. I coach now. So what is your role with the Wheeler Wildcats and what does mentorship and have to do with leadership? Well, so um, I'm a co- I coach the DBs for Wheeler High School and I'm a uh, defensive coordinator for JV. Um, and I feel like just mentorship is, you know what I'm saying? I just, man, just, I just reflect back from when I was coming up. You know what I'm saying? My father wasn't in the picture like that. You know what I'm saying? And I played football. So a lot of the, man, a lot of the game and knowledge I wish I, I man, let me have an OG when I was coming up playing the game. My football experience would have been completely different. You know what I'm saying? By a landslide. So it was like me embarking on this football journey by myself. And I took it to the top level. You know what I'm saying? One of the top levels. And I by myself. It wasn't like I was highly recruited out of high school. Folks ain't know who the fuck I was. I got myself in the Stetson. You know what I'm saying? My coach wasn't putting us on like that. I made that happen. So, um, and then was able to get in, get my foot in the door at Stetson. I still, I'm pretty much a walk on. I still got to work my way up the ranks. So, um, I knew I, I possess a lot of skills. You know what I'm saying? A lot of game and a lot, a lot of wisdom and the knowledge uh, when it comes to this game of football. And if you want to play at the next level, for sure, I know exactly what it takes to get there. And it's feasible, for sure. You got to make sure your T's cross, your I's is dotted. You know what I'm saying? And as long as you just don't quit, you stay consistent and persistent. Oh, yeah, man, it's going to work out. Um, so just being able to, you know what I'm saying, help them with this phase of their life, because it's very, very big for Gibson, all high school athletes. You play football in high school. Everybody wants to play college football. Everybody wants to go to the league. Not everybody's going to get that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? A lot of y'all careers going to end in high school. You know what I'm saying? And when that career comes to an end, whether you're ready for it or not, that shit is a rude, it's a rude awakening. It's a rude awakening. It was a process for me just trying to re-identify myself when football came to the end. So I know in that aspect, I'll be able to help them boys out too. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. And you know what I'm saying? We molding them. We molding them. They're going to be men. They're going to be fathers. They're going to be husbands. You know what I'm saying? Active leaders in the community. So to be a part of their foundation, man, that's honorable. I'm wondering about that because quality of character, you said your father wasn't really around in your life. Um, Is that part of what you are hoping to teach these young men of quality of character to be accountable for the actions and things they're doing in their life. Now facts, especially many, man, this younger generation different, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I see how y'all feel about what, how we was coming up. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they different, man. And the technology is, man, it's so different, bro. Like these kids is different. Tension spans a whole lot shorter. Like, man. So, um, yeah, it's just, man, you got to teach these kids everything. How to win football, man, everything. How to win, how to work hard, how to, you know what I'm saying, be a leader, how to, you know what I'm saying, just do right. <laughs> just do right, bro. Just, you know what I'm saying? You got to teach them everything. So, but it's a blessing, though. You know what I mean? It ain't for everybody. <laughs> it's not for everybody, but. So, uh, what's the secret to getting through to them? Like, at first, they don't want to hear it, right? World. Yeah, I just feel like, man. It got to have that rapport with them. And I feel like with me being so young, I'm pretty much like a big cousin or a big brother to a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? They can tap it. Man, they know they can tap in with me with anything. It's just, I know they can just relate to me a little bit better versus our coaches that's 40 and up. You know what I'm saying? The only time they really go into them is like they really, really have like problems. Like I got to deal with failing this class or, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, get in touch with this coach. That's like, that's when they, re- and they can give you some life skills as well, but it's like, as far as just the delivery, 
I don't know if that'll be the same. You know what I mean? Just versus how it'll come for me being a little bit younger and just knowing how to and my degree in communication, so I know how to, you know what I'm saying, work my one no matter where I'm at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying in that aspect. So, yeah. The defensive back position is kind of like the unknown quarterback of a lot mm-hmm. of teams. What is it about being a defensive back in terms of the mental game that really puts you in a p- pivotal position to how the outcome of the defensive operations work? Man, you're doing everything backwards. You're doing everything backwards. You know what I'm saying? Everything else, I feel like D-line, you're going forward. Linebackers, you're side to side or downhill. DB, you have to do everything backwards. You have to guard this man that's running full speed forward backwards. That's hard as fuck to do. You know what I'm saying? And then just the mental standpoint of just knowing football. A lot of these kids don't know the game of football. They don't even watch football in their own free time. Like, they don't watch football. Yes, these kids are different. <laughs> these yeah. kids didn't even watch football for fun. Like, so it's like, we really got to teach these boys. Like, bro, as far as the IQ, some of them got it. Man, a lot of them lost in the sauce. And you can see it uh, in their academics as well. A lot of learning disabilities. All right, so when you see an individual that's lost in the sauce, do you have the time and energy to reach out to that individual, see if you can meet them one-on-one, and help bring some light to their situation. For sure. You know what I'm saying? I always got time, but I can't want it for you. Right. Absolutely. I can't want it for you. Yeah, you know, I, I was when I come, I wanted it. You ain't got to tell you, know, you ain't got to, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll beat you to it. You know what I'm saying? Now, so if you got that, you on that same type of energy for sure. We, right. we can take it around with it. Right. So if an individual isn't wanting it, mm-hmm. is there merit to kind of sitting with them and finding out what do they want? Yeah. Exactly. I got a student like that. I'm also a, a tutor at an elementary school. Got one kid. That boy don't do nothing. I'm tomorrow. He just sit there, sit there. You sit there, bro. What's wrong with you? You good? Like, and I, I asked one, but what motivates you, bro? Like, what gets your engine going? Because I'm like, clearly school ain't it, bro. Like, I'm curious to see what sparks you. Because I know this is not you. You know what I'm saying? You come, Christian. You gonna do some work today? They sit there like you. Like he don't hear you talking to him at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, what's up? Are you? He got his jacket over his head. You pull his jacket off of his head out, and he'll just still just sit there. Like, bro, what's up, bro? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, if students like that, you gotta, you gotta put a little bit more time into. You know what I'm saying? It ain't gonna be easy. It's not easy at all. Especially they ain't give you nothing to work with. On top of that, but I feel like it just that comes with time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A kid like that, he got trust issues. He ain't just gonna open up to just That's anybody. It. That's anybody. what I think. Yeah. You got to feel that you keep showing up, even yeah. when it's hard on your end. It's like, oh, well, Chancellor's still here. All right. Yeah. Just so through time, you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, they'll start opening up then, but you just got to trust the process and stay down and get through that ugly part first. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen an individual turn? Like, have you seen an individual spark that was in that place? Um, well, I'm at this, I've only been at this elementary school for a year now. So it's a whole new school, um, essentially. So. Um, still working with that in regards to football. Um, yeah, man, I got my our star corner. Um, this last season was his first season. He's completed in high school. He didn't, you know what I'm saying? I think he played freshman year. As the freshman ball was done, that was it. You know what I'm saying? They only played like six, seven games. Um, his sophomore year, yeah, he was getting a lot of burn, and he, I guess, just mentally, he checked out. It was just a lot of stuff we was <laughs> dealing with as a team, and just trying to build a program that's uh, used to being a losing program. So, trying to get them out of that funk. Um, so he ain't finished his sophomore year, and um, but 
He bounced after that sophomore season, and he was on contemplating on transferring and all that. The only thing that kept him at Wheeler was me. Um, so he just, I guess, just really once we we had to weed out a lot of the the, the toxins and the cancers on the team, get rid of their asses. Um, so we got all people that's just truly bought in now. Now we can work with y'all. We can work with y'all because y'all bought in. So that offseason, he just locked in on track. You know what I'm saying? I always meet up with him once a uh, once one day out of the week to just do footwork, ladder drills, workout drills in our position, all of that. Um, and then, man, it accumulates to spring. He had a great spring, summer, great summer, and he started all this year. I'm talking about it was our, our corner this year, like locking shit up. Like we need to take away a, a team star receiver. Eight. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Where's eight? Come on, handle business. You know what I'm saying? He had a great, great uh, junior year. Um, so I'm, with going into this last year, I'm truly, truly excited to see how he does. Do you bring some of your knowledge of your connection to ancestors to these kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, most of my players follow me on Instagram. They see everything I do. You know what I'm saying? For sure, let them see it. I ain't the type to hide shit from these kids because they already see it already. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They see it already. So it's like, yeah, I don't hide nothing from them. I'll expose them to everything. Expose them to everything. Yes, sir. If I can't fault you for thinking – uh, behave in a certain way when you've only been exposed to so much. Yeah. So what can you, can you illuminate a little bit more about ancestral awareness, what that means to you? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I understand a, a very little bit about the people of color and their culture and both sure. Greg and I have done some work to try and become, you know, better white people. <laughs> but, um, and we're still working. Um, but I think I'm curious about how you relate in in this culture, especially in the South, to the ancestral lineage and how do you access it? And, you know, what are the pathways that have helped you connect more and more to your spiritual background? For sure. Yeah, my spiritual journey um, was my spiritual awakening began my junior year of college. Um, and that's what you're saying. In college, you can take classes. Uh, you just get exposed to just different information that you will never get exposed to in grade school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so taking anthropology classes, sociology classes, you know what I'm saying? Getting exposed to that type of uh, information. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. It's a lot that has been misconstrued. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's a lot that it's something in my spirit. Like, I feel like it's, it's more to this world than what's what I've just learned in school coming up, just up upon this journey. So I was like, I just, I feel like it's something more out there. I remember having conversations with um, some of my peers and one of my peers was like, hey bro, you should watch this documentary called Hidden Colors. And so like, they got like six, six uh, videos and it's pretty much, man, they just debunking all the history that's just been hidden. You know what I'm saying? That people of color played a huge, huge uh, part in. I'm talking about from the beginning of time all the way up to now. This shit is long as hell. Um, but after I watched that, I was like, oh, it was just, it was a wrap after that. It was in my senior, uh, my senior project, my senior, uh, research project was the stretch to, uh, stretch truths, a textual comparative analysis on the misconstrued history in American high school textbooks. And then I went, I went and got a high school history book from the high school in the land. And you know what I'm saying? I did, I focused on, uh, uh, damn, hold on. On, uh, what phase of history was it? It was after after the Civil War. After the Civil War. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The reconstruction period. That's what it right. was. Yep. Reconstruction, reconstruction right. period. So I, I just picked, I strict, I strictly just focused on that time frame. And within that little segment of that textbook, boy, it was so much I found. <laughs> like, what was the reference just, that you used to balance the propaganda that was part of the textbook? Well, the biggest thing was, uh, you know, like in history books, they got like little fun facts and cliff notes about just random stuff. So they was talking about, they had one for the KKK. And they said that the KKK was an organization that used uh, um, that <laughs> uses powers to force out carpetbaggers, yet only intimidate African Americans. It said it's verbatim in the textbook. Uh, God, right, so yeah. it's out and out lies. But it said that verbatim. That was like that's in the center of my research. Like, but this the big like if this don't prove it enough, this all you need right here. Everything else is some bull. Everything else is gonna be some bull. Are you active in the school? to help bring about this knowledge so that it's part of the regular curriculum for these kids? I'm trying to, that's trying to battle something that's been set in place for so long. That's like, yeah, absolutely. That's like me walking in your house and telling you how to run your household. No, but here's the thing. <laughs> merit to it. If it's the right move, you know, like, so even though like it's time and place for, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to change nothing like that. That's so, so set in stone. Now, we want to take it upon ourselves and start our own little congregations and have our own little means. Then for sure, we can do that. But we're trying to fix something that's not, I ain't not. On some level, that's our job culturally because. But here's what I think about. I think about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And Mm -hmm. I knew him as an individual and I knew sort of the surface of what he did and accomplished. But later on in life, I learned of all the people involved with that energy and action. Mm -hmm. And all the support he had as an individual, also the challenges, and it was incremental movements. And I forget the gentleman's name who just passed away, who was a senator, I think, for a long time, and he was instrumental in that move. Um, Anyway, I think there's merit, even though it seems insurmountable. It seems like a tidal wave you're up against, right? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, folks been... Is we've had plenty of representatives of our culture and our people to go on the front for front uh, on front street and try to fight for equality and equity and change and all that other stuff and shit. These folks still doing it, so we're gonna continue to try to bark up this tree that these folks can build, or we can go build our own shit. Right. Well, <laughs> that's how I look at it as. Just, fuck I'm thinking that. about the kids, like because you are very lively, and I imagine. That it is a, uh, I don't know if simple is the right word, but that your ability to connect with youth mm. is, is there. It's oh, yeah, a, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So for them to hear in your voice this knowledge you have and continue to discover, that seems like gold to these children. I mean, right? Yeah, it is. So it's like, and it's, as long as they're getting it, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to happen eventually. Whether it happened early on in early age or in adulthood, it's you that awareness and that awakening is going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, but how nice would it be to have it happen without a Chinese jail or other dark elements <laughs> that I personally think through? Like if oh, an yeah. individual could avoid those paths of awakening, that's a blessing. Yeah, you see, sometimes the best teacher life is your own experience. Yeah, you know what well, I mean? that so, is. The yeah, absolutely. The show. <laughs> so I want, go ahead. I want to ask you more about your how you tap into your own ancestral spiritual awareness. Like we have yeah. the Western 
institutions, mm-hmm. right? But there's, it sounds like something's informing your perspective that goes beyond the traditional sort of American constructs. And yeah. if I wanted to make some assumptions about you have had having had locks, there mm-hmm. would be assumptions that you had connected to a kind of lineage that is deeper into the cultural history of, of Africa or, or, or the Caribbean. And I'm sort of sort of curious, where's the touch point for you in your personal um, oh, spiritual awareness around ancestors and your spiritual practices? World, so um, really, bro, I'm Native American, bro. I'm Cherokee, Choctaw, with Tomka. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we always we just spiritual people when it's us. You know what I'm saying? In in essence, um, but I feel I ain't really get introduced to like this practice until 28 before I was going to China. <laughs> like when I was going through the uh, process of getting my visa, that's when I got exposed to. Um, it's an ancient African religion called Ifa, and pretty much that's the the premise of it. You know what I'm saying? We paying homage and we gonna pray to our ancestors, the one that came before us. And then, and my from the way I look at it, it's like, all right, we all got guardian angels, right? Who in the spiritual realm would be could be your guardian angel who's gonna have your best interest at heart? You know what I'm saying? That knows you to a T, everything. The ones that came before you, yeah, they already done laid the foundation. Why the fuck are we not paying no homage to them? We skip right over them going straight to Jesus and all these other folks, but we ain't paying no homage to anybody that came before us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of backwards in my opinion. So yeah, we need to talk to them first. You know what I'm saying? They know us better than anybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just sparked a great thought. Like I've been checking into my ancestors, my immediate ancestors, like my grandparents yeah. and mother-in-laws and stuff. Anyway, um, you sparked an idea when I check in with them like that, there is a personal connection I have with them. Like you're saying, they know me. I know they know me. Like I say, I'm checking into Jesus. Well, I'm not even quite sure that's not a character made up in a book. I understand the concepts being presented. (laughs) Yes, sir. I get that. That's it, man. That's it, bro. That's when you just, man, it's just getting exposed to just, man, the history, bro. It's really that, that that documentary just made me question everything, bro. It's like, bro, these folks been done told us a whole bunch of malarkey. <laughs> like, I'm talking about, this shit is bad. So it's like, I don't, yeah, I, I question everything now, bro. So Hitting Colors, that's the name of the documentary, Hitting right? Colors. And the Colors yeah. is C-O-L-O-U-R-S. You know what I'm saying? It's still funky like that. <laughs> like the French style. Yeah. 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 Did you also just say you are you have Native American blood in you? Mm-hmm. Do you um, check in with that lineage of who you are? Um, I ain't really went to like no reservations or nothing like that. Because um, again, a lot of that stuff been tainted. You know what I'm saying? It's already been touched. You know what I'm saying? So what we see as today to be, you know what I'm saying? I don't, sh- it was that has has that has always been? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? So, nah, I ain't really tapped in with any of that yet. Um, I just know, my, like, my great grandmother that I actually met. You know what I'm saying? I got to experience. She was Cherokee. Like, I pull up a picture of her. You can like, oh wow, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> she did show like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And she's also uh, Isaac Hayes' uh, vocal coach. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So, so you got some musicianship in your family. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Oh yeah. For wow. sure. I don't make music at all, but as far as having the ear for it. Yeah, so <laughs> who are you listening to right now? Uh 
Right now, um, I say definitely a lot. Of, my, R&B is my favorite genre. So right. um, you're going to catch me listening to a lot of the new school R&B. I used to listen to a lot of the old school R&B, like the 90s, 2000s R&B back in like seventh grade, middle school. So I'm burnt out on all that now. What you know about I mean? the 70s? Like going back to, I just put on Rufus and Chaka Khan. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, and, that's my mama generation right there. I was there, like, so. oh, I forgot how good this was. <laughs> yeah, see, I know them the oldies, oldies. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I call them throwbacks from, you know what I'm saying, my mama for the show. Yeah. That is funny. That is so funny for me to hear it that way. Because, like, for me, the oldies is going back to the 50s and 40s, you know. And yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. So we it do is- have some generation here in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are the ancestors. <laughs> 50s and 40s, boy, I wasn't even thought of back then, boy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't um, so... Damn. Well, uh, let me just throw this out there because I have a young daughter who's a junior in high school. And part of what I noticed in my communication with her, this whole thing going on with gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, like it's just for her, it's a thing. And it's, it's nothing. It just is. It's like, whatever. Why are you even tripping on it? For me, it's like, I'm tripping on it because I was raised that there's a male and a female, you know? So. It's different. Yeah, my youngest sibling, you know what I'm saying, identified. Oh, she's part of the LGBTQ um, community. He is part of the LGBTQ community. Um, man, it's just different. Like you said, it, like I told you, like, hey, this generation, this new generation, <laughs> hey, it's different, bro. Like, I'm yeah. telling you, it's different, bro. It's, but it's like change is inevitable. Yeah. Change is inevitable. Things change, people change, feelings change. You know what I'm saying? Resisting change, we hold on. Accepting change, we let go. Yeah, and they're bringing the medicine. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. So it's like you just gotta be adaptable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Be adaptable. That's that helped me have here in Atlanta. You gotta be adaptable. You know what I'm saying? Atlanta's a it's a new. You know what I'm saying? It's it's steady growing. As you know, I'm saying just then became one of the top tier cities not too long ago. So it's a lot of different characters out here. A lot of people here in Atlanta, not from Atlanta. You got people from every place else out here. So it's just all these different characters and stuff. So you just got to know how to be like a chameleon almost. You know what I'm saying? Work your one. You know what I'm saying? Know how to feel certain situations, certain energies and all of that. And just not so you can work accordingly and move accordingly for sure. And I was just going to ask, like, has your street smarts, like right now, who you are now, are, are there learnings from the street that you feel are an important part of the positivity of your life? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's definitely, um, once I was able to take those anthropology and sociology, sociology classes in college, then I was like, Oh damn, I was able to just connect the dots of what I saw in reality growing up, you know what I'm saying? Or people's realities currently, it's like, okay, I, you know what I'm saying? I got an idea. Just, I know this shit is set up for a reason, bro. You know what I'm saying? Y'all suffering from the system. So it's like, um, it's just got to, you know what I'm saying? When you understand it, you, you have a different go about, uh, as far as just how you're going to handle it. And as far as it, it doesn't move you as much when you have an understanding of it. And that's still an issue, but shit, I can only control so much. You know what I'm saying? I ain't finna, 
I can't, you know what I'm saying? I can only control so much. So, so how do you keep your hope alive every moment when at times there's like this insurmountable tsunami wave? Control what you can't control. And 100% of the time, that's you. And how you yeah. choose to look at something. Yeah. How you going, you know what I'm saying? Think about it. Or look at it. So for sure, yeah, you control you. So, Mr. Jackson, let me just say that with deep respect and honor for you and your ancestors. What is your vision for yourself for the future? Like, where are you headed? What 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 does that look like for you? Um, yeah, man, to continue to write books um, and grow my publishing company, Corley Publications, LLC. I uh, also started a service helping aspiring authors. So anybody out there that has an idea or a concept for a story, but don't know how to go about putting it on paper or say you've written a whole book, but don't know how to go about publishing it, tap in with your boy. I can walk you through either process or both of them if need be. So continue to grow Colette Publications to a household publishing uh, company. And what uh, we strive in, you know what I'm saying? Particularly is we want all, uh, anybody that works with us, you know what I'm saying, publishes through us, you will be entitled to all your rights, all your royalties. You're going to own 100% of it. All you're doing is just publish. We just help you publish it. You know what I'm saying? Well, everything yeah. else, just solely, man, you're going to get everything you, you rightfully deserve. But they're going to know Colette Publications, they went through Colette Publications, LLC for shit show. And I had one client who uh, just released his book back in October last year. He was ranked the number one new bestseller in two different genres. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's the first one. I've been working with folks since I started, since I released 14 Days. Since 14 Days was going crazy, I've been working with people. But this is the first person I don't work with that I actually finished. And I didn't start working with him till last year. So um just happy to see somebody actually buy into it. I got plenty of people who's like written the whole story, but we right there on the back end. And they just start dragging their feet all of a sudden. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm to my world. Uh, we got like a few more tweaks to the story. And then, bro, all we got to do is do the cover. Boo, boo, boo. We got get what do you think is happening with those people? What happens Man. that that does, that, that's the outcome? Man, just life. You still got, you know what I'm saying? You got other endeavors you're working on, bills to pay, kids. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's a lot of other stuff going on. You can't solely devote everything to, you know what I'm saying, the book. I mean, you can. It's just like you're choosing to put your energy towards other things. Yeah, but that's the thing. They they made the choice to put their energy into the book till they got to the red zone. Yeah. It seems like so often a dream hits the red zone and it falls apart. Man, I don't know what's up, man. <laughs> Why did you do all that? Like you went through the whole 90 yards and you got to the last 10 and that's where you quit? Like whenever I'm like, whenever y'all ready, hey, we can go ahead and get it. I like that's why I'm, I'm proud of Anthony, Anthony McKinney. That's the author's name. His book is titled The Fatherless Child. Man, I met with, I'm like, he was probably like the last ones I met. We actually finished. I'm talking yeah. about, and then not only did we finish, it went crazy like I knew it was going to go. So it was like, hey, I, it made me feel better because, like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. So, and I got proof right here. So, you know what I'm saying? Whenever these folks, you know what I'm saying, get in motion, we can get in motion. You know what I'm saying? And sit in, steady put the service out there for anybody else that's really serious. You know what I'm saying? Just continue to grow it, man, laying down that foundation and building on top of it. Yeah, so many, I have um, two more questions. Um, the first one is, what's your next book title? Do you know which one you're going to do next? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. You know what I'm and saying? then since the ancestors have lined us up, that we're going to be publishing your podcast on the holiday commemorating Dr. King. Mm -hmm. 
What would you like to share with our audience about the call to action for the modern movements of social justice and uh, reparations? Um, man. <laughs> hey, call you know action. what? You know how you dared us to ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Call we to dare action. you to answer this yeah, one. Yeah, call to action, bros. I feel like that call to action, we have to, as a people, my people, we got to come together. And that's going to be, the, that's really the biggest hurdle we have. We've been <laughs> trying to get over for years. U-N-I-T-Y. <laughs> That is the biggest hurdle we've been trying to get over for years. And as you know what I'm saying, we're so divided as a people. So divided as a people. That's the biggest issue. If we all come together, it is a wrap. It's going to be scary. Do you think it's possible to say, to be all inclusive when you say we got to come together as a people? Can it be? No, you got to do it first. We got to, we got to subdivide. We got to subdivide. For sure. So, so um, yeah, there has to be healing and reconnection in the African diaspora, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, the BIPOC yeah. peoples have to be healed and reunited before we mm-hmm. can talk about any rainbow coalition. You know yeah. I mean? And this book um, called uh, The Resurrection of a Felon um, is pretty much talking about, you know what I'm saying, re- you know what I'm saying the <laughs> reconstruction of America and the modern day. And he felt like He's a former former felon. He he felt like the the felons, not just any type of felons, but the felons that were actually like smart, intelligent individuals. You know what I'm saying? But they was just in the streets. But still, you know what I'm saying? They far as here, they with it. You know what I mean? It's gonna take them, like people, like individuals like that, to um, go against the grain, go against society, the societal norms, and establish what you know what I'm saying. We want you know what I'm saying. We got to create everything. Um, and we got to collect all the people that's on the same type of energy, on the same type of mindset. And then we got to do it and leave all the rest of the folks over there and do what they do. You know what I'm saying? Follow. <laughs> so, and with us leading and taking off, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come along. They're going to follow suit. Eventually, that's what they do. Follow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We live in society. Think, followers now. Do you think that means like something like a new Tulsa or a new state? Yeah, it's gonna have to be. Yeah, it's gonna have to be. Got to be major. We like I said, we need to create our own everything. If we want the the equality and the equity that folks been preaching and crying for for generations, yes, yeah, we got to create it. We create it ourselves, and then we only, you know, what I'm saying we put all our money into it versus putting all our money into all these other things that's been created that that's ran by people that don't look like us, and see how much of a change that that that, that creates. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Move all our money from these European banks. We start creating our own. We start creating our own schools, our own hospitals, our own everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what and, I'm saying? And what my people have to do is get over our fear and yeah. stop worrying about that and and get out of the way and <laughs> start to be allies because it's not about us for one. And so alchemizing our fears and our resistance to the blooming of your culture, both the indigenous ancestral history and the African diasporic ancestral history. It's just going to be such an amazing gift to witness. If we just stop with our white fragility and stop with our fear and get, get in the game with y'all. Man, I feel like only for it to get to that point, like we'll have to be visited by like some extraterrestrials. 
For real. Like, we as a human, that's the only way I feel like a human race will come together. Like, it's something else that we got to deal with as a people. Oh, yeah. That's what, all right, but yeah, we're going to lock arms and we'll be ready for what we for sure. Mm-hmm. So if you're called to leadership, will mm-hmm. you step into the role? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I already know what come with it too. Well, I want to honor you for your authenticity, your vulnerability, your courage, your commitment, your devotion to the truth, and to your sense of humor. And your, your ongoing inspiration and joy that you bring to every moment, despite all of these contexts that we've described. As I said at the beginning, it's been an honor to speak with you and to have you on the show. And if there's anything we can do in the future, if you need anything, a kind word, or you've got an announcement that your book author's coming out and you want to put them on our show, like sure. please reach out to us. For sure. Likewise, man. I appreciate y'all for having me, allow me to showcase myself, my talents, products, and most importantly, my spirit, man, for sure. And I just want to leave everybody with this message um, before we tap out. And it's from Nipsey Hussle. For those that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, Nipsey Hussle was a mogul, straight mogul, serial entrepreneur, well known for his music career and his clothing line. And the, the, the message is long winded running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 purpose on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what is a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. But who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, homie, give your heart to it. Stay strong. Recording stopped.